Welcome back to Modeling Success. I'm your host, Ryan Donatelli. Let's get started. Today is a good day because we have, again, the one and only from Genuine Overkill, Steve Papa George. Hey, Steve. How's it going today? Uh, it's going good. I see you're running low on guests. So here I am again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm happy. Happy to be here. First one was like practice oh, that's session. That's crazy. I absolutely yeah. love having you here. I guess we okay. should well, maybe open it up to the audience and let them vote about this reoccurring spot you have. Oh, God, help us. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> What's going on? What are well, we doing? What I are we talking about? I appreciate your time. I enjoy talking to you. And with you being so heavy in the experiential marketing space, I think it's um, it's fun to pick two creative brains. So I want to talk to you today. And what we're going to dive into is what 2023 looks like and what we would like to see out of the industry uh, moving forward over the next 12 months. There's been a lot of change, a lot of pivot, and a lot of differences of how you get in front of target consumers, I think, over the last few years. And with COVID happening, I think a lot of things have changed. And I think it's now on agencies more than ever to come up with creative strategy because some corporations had to go very thin throughout the pandemic. And I want to talk about what you think the industry needs a little more attention on in experiential marketing, maybe some new ideas, some new concepts. And let's dive in of what you think the world needs. I will say this, like the last, uh, not even year, like three months or whatever, since um, AI has become like democratized and now like anybody can use things like ChatGPT and MidJourney and all this sort of thing. I know it's changing the way we do business, like the way we create experiences. Um, everything from like so suddenly things that I feel like we used to need, a t like when I say used to, I mean like a few months ago, we needed a team of a handful of people just to, you know, comb over insights and try to develop a good strategy and, um, you know, start developing tactics and everything. All that stuff's been supercharged and we're lurk we're working collaboratively with AI in a really like profound way. It's it's completely changed the way we do business. Anyway, with that, I feel like comes like new capabilities, new areas of exploration in the creative world. Like I was at CES a few weeks ago and um, the, the tech at CES is now I feel like it's a little harder to spot because it's all about the brains of the computers. So visually things kind of look the same that they used to, but there's so much autonomous, um, you know, technology now that I feel like so much of what I was seeing there was, was like this collection of uh, technology that's actually built to supercharge events, like in really cool ways. Um, a lot of AR, a lot of VR, um, you know, a lot of like robot assist stuff. Um, what they're doing with drone shows right now, there's, a, there's elements of AI that are in there. So it's like, the other thing is, you know, we've seen. But I'll wait a second, stunt. let me ask you, do you think that yeah. is due to the forward tech movement or do you think that is due to trying to replace humans with tech anywhere possible to eliminate human error? 
Well, I think, well, eliminate human error and let's be real. It's like, it's, it's numbers drive everything. So it's cheaper, right? You have fewer people working on stuff, which that part I hate, but you know, that's part of what drives it. But then also, um, you know, the, the thing is, it's like a convergence of two things. One of them is, yeah, the, the tech world is moving forward regardless of experiential marketing, right? But like these tools that are coming out there now and like the, these technologies that we can use in our events, it's just mind-blowing now, right? It's like it, there's – like we use technology now for – you know, monitoring traffic at our events and trying to get a really good idea of who's at our events, like pinging people's cell phones and things like it's all kind of, you know, most of that technology is so back end that people don't even realize it's at play. Right. But now like things like, you know, holograms, right. Uh, it's, what was it about 10 years ago when, when they did the, uh, the Tupac thing over at, um, at, um, Coachella, right? Now they've that the technology to do like these, you know, uh they're they're sort of like fake holograms, but the effect is incredible. So like all the there's so much more like opportunity now when it comes to designing an, an event way beyond like projection and, you know, TV monitors and stuff like this. Now it's like the 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 ability to just like blow people's minds with visual stuff and with like i said even just like if we're doing intelligent lighting the way that it's reactive to crowd movement movements there's these companies like pixmob that have um they, they have these little technologies where they'll they'll put like a little wristband on you and it's an led that's intelligently lit so you know uh suddenly each person in a crowd is is a uh, is like a pixel within you know an intelligent lighting schematic and things like that where like the the, the participant sorry I should say the guest really becomes a participant seeing a lot of that kind of stuff right and being able to take the action off the um, off the stage and bring it into the crowd like people are How talking do you feel about, about immersive- that change. Though. I love it. It's the best thing ever. To, to be honest, like I think like people have been talking about immersive experiences for, you know, a long time now. That but was a I requirement feel like, at Life is Beautiful this year for any sponsor that's activating. Oh, I didn't actually know that. So they needed to create had, an immersive experience. Essentially, yeah. Uh, I don't know if immersive or experiential or what it was, but they wanted everything sure. to be in that realm um for every sponsor that was there. So that's why you saw the silent disco. In the basement of that part or in the ground level, that parking garage for Slurpee, 7-Eleven, I think it was. But yeah. even McDonald's, they all were doing VR, everything. So, um, Well, that's, that's another thing to too. You know, the, the whole idea of a brand becoming, you know, content producer has been on the table for a long time now. But I love the way um, you are starting to see like a lot of these brands are, are really realizing that the opportunity is to, you know, um, is to bring consumers in for, you know, an experiential immersive ride, if you will, and just, you know, uh, become true entertainment providers. Right. And so uh, I, I didn't know that that was one of the criteria for uh, activating it at, at uh, 
uh, life is beautiful. But that makes sense. That that completely makes sense. Like, well, they that's, do the music, the why. arts, the combo of everything. So it does. And it may have yeah. been, I don't know if it's mandated. I don't know if it was requested, but I do have well, the- uh, clients that were there. And that was what their guidance was. Um, but with yeah, that being but said, makes sense. how many of these experiences are also doing data capturing? I, it's, it's impossible to know, but I'm going to say most at this point because, well, data capture is a broad term, right? But uh, as far as data mining, I'm sure a lot of them are, especially the larger ones, you know, like- By mining, just, are you speaking geofencing and, and whatnot with yeah, like, through cell technology? Basically, unknown. I mean, like it's these beacon things, right? Where it's effective. It's it's basically a uh, a digital, you know, hand clicker, right? You know, when you used to go to an event, and somebody would be standing there with a little clicker. It's that, except you know, it's it's working off of the cell phone in your pocket, so it's like it knows there's a cell phone. But the other thing it'll know is it'll know like what zip code your home zip code is. It'll know if you're male or female. It will know. It can be it your age. It's your anything home. public from your phone. So whatever's public well, within. Yeah, but like it, it's not going to take your name. It's not taking your email address, and it's not taking your, your phone number. Gender, right? age, zip code. Yeah. So at the end of at the end of the event, you can say, "All right, you know, here are the people that that were most interested in lingering around our space, right? Because like linger time is is a KPI." Right. So it'll be like, oh, okay. So people between this age and this age, male, who live in, we'll say, affluent neighborhoods, well, they tended to linger in our spot, you know, twice as long as somebody else. So, you know, that's helpful. And if you've got like a really big experience that is broken out into different engagements, you can actually see like where people wanted to spend their time. So you can actually improve on your experience. So the next time, maybe there's a, maybe there's an experience that didn't do particularly well with the audience you want to hit. So you can make an informed decision to strike that. Right. So those are, those are technologies that consumers will never see and they don't really know, but suddenly their experience just starts getting better with this brand because the brand is picking up on, you know, what it's, uh, you know, what, what the, um, audience's preferences are. It's no different than, you know, learning from you when you are poking around one of their websites, like they know all kinds of data, what you're clicking on, what you're reading, what you're interested on. So eventually they can use that data to, you know, hone in the experience of being on the website. Same thing with experiential now, which is awesome. It's so interesting, too, because some of this seems so invasive and others can seem so not, you know, the, the, the oh, yeah, no, concept I, of I talking mean, about bourbon and then all of a sudden throughout your social media feed is a bunch of bourbon ads and sponsored ads. So no, I agree with you. I mean, we're conditioned to understand that at this point. I think most people know that that's that's it's really weird and it still feels a little invasive sometimes. But uh, that's the world we now live in. And um yeah, I mean, it only makes sense that it's gonna that it's gonna affect how we do experiences too. Yeah, and I don't think that they're using the data. One thing I would love to see grow in this business is brand learning from us what we've gathered and what we've captured. They hone in so deeply on who their target consumer is and whatnot with their own, obviously, education and tools that they have. But how often do you see? 
brand coming back to you and saying, teach me what you've learned. What does your data show? What do you think we should do? You know, obviously we volunteer, you know, some things about whatnot, but our personal opinion, I don't know about your side, is your personal opinion valued or asked of much? Yeah, I would say so. Actually, one of the reasons that I, I really fell in love with experiential early on was I'll, I mean, I'll give you a real life example. So, you know, when I was working with Heineken USA a long time ago, right? Um, we were doing experiential tours and events and sponsorship activations and things like that. Um, the thing about our business, which is so unique in the marketing mix, is that, you know, we're actually one-on-one with the consumer, right? So we we actually meet the consumer. If you're in advertising, you don't necessarily ever meet one of your consumers, except in focus group situations, theoretically, right? So the thing More is- problems. you Right. But in real time, <laughs> yeah, no, true. But like in real, in real time, like you know whether or not your work is resonating. You know- um, if a band gets up on a stage, what are they like, are are people down with it or are they just sort of bored of it? Right. So what happens is intuitively you kind of just have a really good first person understanding of the culture and the people and things like that. And what happens is like the, the brand team that you're ultimately answering to, like the smart ones really kind of appreciate that. And they want your opinion because they're like, Hey, look, we're thinking about getting behind this artist, or, you know, there's a genre of something that's going on that we're thinking about getting involved in. And we always sort of became the culture spotters in the agency mix. And it was a, it was not something that we planned on. It wasn't like one of our core competencies, But we quickly recognized like, oh, yeah, of course, like we actually talk to your consumer daily and we're basically a research arm, (laughs) you know, like we didn't sign up for that, but that's what we became. Right. And we started once we recognized it, we got really good at basically, um, you know, insight mining from the field. Right. So, you know, if we if we were working with uh, a spirits brand that was active in six markets, well, then we had a brand ambassador in each one of those markets or, you know, someone representing the brand. And they were they became friends with all the bartenders. They knew, um, you know, all the influencers in that market. They like we had somebody in Austin, Texas that could tell you where there was going to be a craw you know, a crawfish boil any given weekend, right? And that's relevant in that market. And it helps the brand stay in tune with what's relevant. What other brands are activating? What do people like? What don't they like? And all that other stuff. And it also would always give us an opportunity to hop in and support um, an emerging artist or, um, you know, an event, right? So something that was in its very infancy, um, we would usually find out about those things way before they even started popping up in anybody's Google search. And um, and that would help us jump in on these trends super early and, and position the brand as a cultural leader instead of culture follower. Make sense? Absolutely. And I agree 100%. Okay. I think they should okay. be on point with you when it comes to those those elements. 
What I would like to see grow is is the come to us and, and talk about the data and what the data means to us and what they should be doing to retarget those individuals with any data capturing. We have displays, for instance, out there that will capture the same data from the beacons. Um, we have traffic analytics boxes that go into venues so we can see when their actual highest footprint is because a lot of times they'll go off a register ring versus foot traffic and how many people are in the door. So the missing opportunity pieces, um, the displays will capture data based off of what you are you know, looking for. But there's all this opt-in element that, that we use on our side a lot where we're gathering names, where we're doing an enter to win, where we're doing a text to win. And very often that data is not purchased that data is not requested, that data is not reused. And it just goes into this, you know, blue hole where I look at that, like that's throwing money away. I look at that as if it's like, wait, what are you doing? You're leaving sales on the table. Okay. So you're going to buy this list of people that like your brand in the market. You're trying to grow your brand in, and you don't want to talk to them again. Or if we're doing a sampling in the off premise and they don't want to do any social media capturing. They don't want to do anything on social media. Just please go sample. You're like, but why would you not want to capture your fans and then put yourself back in front of them on a platform that's free? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Like, the, like a, there are some clients I have that really kind of like um, they're like best practices, right? Like they they figured out how to integrate the digital with the physical, like early on, and they've gotten really smart at it and. That's great. Um, you want to know what? There's one thing that I've now seen uh, more times than not, which is that the way the organization, meaning our client, is um, you know structured. Uh, the person that's handling that one-on-one digital uh, conversation is nowhere near the person who's handling the experiential activity. And so they just don't talk to each other the way that right. I feel like and they the should. Team, and so over here. Yeah. Right. Brand. Exactly. Is over here. So, you know, sometimes <laughs> exactly as well. So I've had, you know, the conversations where like a client will say, um, Hey, and we want to do data capture. And I'm like, all right, cool. What does that mean to you? Right. And they're like, well, okay, well maybe we should get their email address and their phone number. I'm like, well, first off, Spirits company asking for your phone number is a little, little weird, but like, what are you going to do with that? You know? And, and also what are you going to do with the email? Like, I'm going to get your email address. Great. Great first step. And generally speaking, there is no plan to do anything with the email. Right. Um, I guess on some level, you know, like if it's not a spirits company, they can use that for promotion, right? Spirits companies, you know, are bound by, um, you know, local laws and then discus. Uh, so, you know, their ability to reach out to their audience directly um, and invite them to experiences might be a little bit like legal's got to take a look at that. But yeah, there needs to be a plan, a recontact strategy. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and and when it does not, work, it works I want great. To pioneer but that it's, this it's, year. Yes. Because honestly, I think part of it is is to is to go to the client with something that's a little more turnkey. Yeah, you're making me think about it honestly. Because most of the time, when we're asked to do that sort of thing, that sort of thing, meaning scrape scrape the data, our job typically ends when we hand over you know the database and we're like, here you go, this is what you got. And, yeah, and no, yeah, we need to teach them. There's rarely any follow up with that. 
Yeah. Exactly. And we need to teach them if you do well, it right from the get beginning, I, I, think about it. You're capturing their date of birth because they have to. So they have to say they're 21. You and I are talking more spirits language because that's the side of the fence we play on. But first and foremost, terms of service, which outlines all the legalities and makes everyone feel fully covered and gives permission to retarget them as well as validating their age. So you've captured already their age, which now you can know who's playing on your field. And then you can get whatever additional information you want. It just has to be brief. But another asset to this is this gives brand ambassadors an additional 45 seconds, let's call it, of FaceTime with a target consumer. What are you going to talk about? Hey, man, what are you doing here? Oh, what do you, did you come here? You know, oh, do you drink a lot of Dos Equis? Like, what is your favorite part? You know, what is your favorite skew? What is your favorite flavor? Whatever it is you want to get from them that you can also add into your own survey on the sidebar for feedback. So, but being able to retarget these people, giving away a bandana for that 45 seconds is cheaper than buying the lead and you know it's verified. And that's usually the quid pro quo, right? Which is like, we're going to give you something, you're going to give us your email address and your contact information, which is fine. Except I do think, you know, the the best way um, to get that permission is when the consumer understands that giving that information is key to the experience. Like if I go to a photo booth and it says, great, what's your email address? We're going we're, we're gonna to send you that photo. That photo going to you can also be the beginning of that conversation. So here's the photo that you just took. And then, oh, by the way, to learn more or, you know, to enter to win or to do whatever. So at that point, you know, now you have a two-way dialogue going, right? If you could do that before somebody leaves a festival footprint, then that's a huge win, right? So, and the other thing is too, it's it's like some of that stuff, it used to be harder than it is. Like it used to be, you needed to have, you know, an ambassador standing there with an iPad. (laughs) No, it's it's not just that. It's like, you know, people are, you have your spam ma'am email. (laughs) So a while back, I was a partner in a company that, um, was trying to innovate in the um, uh, event photography space, right? And what we were doing is uh, it was basically a pickup off of like what you might see at Disneyland. When you're walking around Disneyland and you have your like Magic Kingdom bracelet or whatever it is with the RFID chip in it, any photographer at Disneyland could be like, hey, can I take your picture next to the so-and-so? They would take your picture and then they would just scan this thing. And then when you went back to your hotel room, all that stuff was waiting for you in your email, right? And so it was so low lift and it was such a, like it, it there was no, there was the, the technology was anything but clunky and everything like helpful, right? So we were like, we want to bring that to, you know, consumer events. Now, you can't count on everybody having an RFID bracelet, but most people have a smartphone with a phone number. So we were like, well, will people actually give you their phone number if you ask them for it? And we thought that's going to be a hurdle. Like, let's test it. So we offered, we went out to some events and we said, look, you know, give us your email address or your phone number, either one. We just figured people would lean towards email address. Uh, Quite the opposite. Everybody was all too happy to give us their phone number, which I was shocked, right? Um, And I think it was partially because it was easier than trying to type an email address, right? It was just like, I'll give you my phone number. But also it showed that they didn't have the hang up of like, you know, giving out their number, 
And so I think that somehow or other, that's just become like the norm. We give out our phone number for everything. Now you go to CVS, giving out your phone number. So it's a way for, it's a way for us to do that. By the way, now with like QR codes and stuff, it's so easy to integrate, you know, good data capture into an experience. doesn't have to be, you know, somebody standing there with an iPad, Right. It'd be a lot easier than that. Right. Well, it's simple. It's as simple as follow me on, you know, follow us on Instagram and we'll post the photo and tag you. Sometimes that stuff works. Absolutely. People yeah, love I mean, that. They just want, they, they just they want, want another to be follower. <laughs> they want they the just photo. want to be famous. Yeah. So it's like, I oh, go into the, all events, all events. I always, the one big thing I always remember is like, just remember that all these people want to do is be famous. And so if you give somebody a photo engagement and they look like a superstar, it's going up on their social. hundred percent. Oh, right? Yeah. And so, you know, anything that, that makes it easier to post. Yeah, absolutely. Getting that tag is the, is the trick, right? Totally. Okay. So virtual reality, AI, data capturing, retargeting. You got anything else? Yeah, so I mean, it's not it's not necessarily um, hinging on brand participation, but the thing that I'm the most excited about in experiential right now is like you know we live in Vegas, right? So Vegas was always like about the strip and everything, and this town's changed so much. And I think like once Area 15 kind of planted its flag down here, I think what happened is you know uh, serious you know venture capitalists and business people realize that there's an actual business around creating experiences for people in Vegas and everywhere else, right? So I just love the fact that there's these like warehouse size buildings now that have popped up that are about ticketed experiences, right? And then you've got Universal Studios just uh, announced that they're opening up a um, horror theme park in Vegas. And I'm like, yes. So uh, I feel like, you know, if brands are smart, you know, they're going to recognize that for what it is and be like, this is where our consumer is going, right? This is like, this is a this is a 24-7, 365 form of entertainment. So on one hand, we expect brands to come in and be content producers, and that's on the table, right? If a brand wants to do an experience at Area 15, like Lost Distilleries done, I don't know if you've seen that, but like that's a business that its main revenue stream is not supposed to be from experiences, but I think it is, right? So they've created a ticket experience around a brand, right? That's awesome. And I think the more brands kind of like recognize that and be like, all right, how can I support what's already happening there? And then how can we do it on our own, right? Um, in a way that consumers will actually not look at it as marketing, right? When well, you go to the lost is, sick, is yeah, that okay. they took the fair concept and went a little bit further to where it's constant turnover. So you have in that facility... Let's call it, I'm going to, if we actually honed in, I'm guessing there's at least 40 experiences over there. Uh, maybe, yeah. You've got Backlot for festivals. You've sure. got the immersion for, I mean, they're doing yoga. They're doing Meow Wolf. You've got the distillery. You've got the golf. You've got Axis. You've got, yeah. I mean, we could go on and on and on. But they're becoming it's constant a turnover too of yep. experience maintaining the same local following and tourism. It's a win, yeah. win, win scenario. 
Yeah, it's just it's it's they're they're slowly building a little Disneyland over there. Like every time I go there, they've taken over another a building. They're doing whatever. <laughs> I've now heard that they're 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 planning a hotel over there. So it's like, you know, it's so gonna good. get Yeah. I don't know if you've seen a luminarium, but the thing that's really and they have one in Atlanta too, but the thing that's amazing about a luminarium is they just basically poured so much money and effort into making the tech amazing. And basically it's a projection mapped ginormous collide, you know, like collection of rooms. Yeah. It's state of the art. Go in there. Technology, state of the art. Oh, it's amazing. State of the art sound. I mean, the place is sick. And that opens up the door. (laughs) No, it's not. But like now you, you've got all these content producers who do like VR type content that are looking at the luminarium and going like, Oh, we can create a show to go in there. It's like luminarium is like the movie theater. And now because there's a movie theater, there's going to be a movie industry. So that whole like immersive, you know, um, projection mapping surround sound kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's very like, it's, it's very moody. It's like, it's a great way to set a mood. Anyway, I hung out there and watched the space exhibit for like three hours and I was just mesmerized. Um, but then we again, I'm like a five-year-old. questions. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. It's yeah. an adult playground of virtual reality meets, you know, intensifying all your senses at the same time and yeah. just blowing your absolute creative mind. So big fan of Area 15. Um, we are not paid or endorsed by them. This is just personal opinion, but should be though. I, I know we're going to have to reach out to them. Let them know about our famous episode with my most famous guests. Thank you. Nobody else has made this twice. Really? Yeah. It's a privilege. What's going on? It is. I feel that I could have done a, co- a couple of espressos before this. Something? <laughs> I apologize. I didn't do lunch today. I got the Trader Joe's chocolate covered almonds that are this just like almost like the movie stats, but different. <laughs> I apologize. I was like a big tech no no. Like, <laughs> well, you're just lucky I wasn't like corn. shoveling popcorn in my face the whole time <laughs> with caramel and peanuts. Okay, next well, time, Steve. I, I guess I could thank you a little less, but I will not. I will <laughs> say I can't thank you enough. And um, I appreciate your thoughts, your feedback on the industry. And I'm looking forward to see where we take this in 2023. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate right, it. Yeah, we'll chat see soon. See you soon. All right. Thank you for joining us at the table of modeling success. I am your host, Ryan Donatelli, and you can find me on all social channels, mainly Instagram, LinkedIn, and ryandonatelli.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe and meet us here every week where we will be discussing the actual happenings that no one wants to openly talk about talent in the entertainment industry. 